So before we can understand what it is that Satan is selling, we have to understand Satan as the salesman himself. See, many people think in our culture today that the enemy, the devil, is just a mascot for evil. Now we understand that the elephants and the Alabama Crimson Tide, the elephant is just the mascot. The, the Crimson Tide are not really elephants. It's just a representation of who they are. Our culture today would tell you that Satan, he doesn't really exist. The devil's not real. He's just the mascot for what the Bible says is evil. But I want you to understand today that the salesman himself exists. He is real just as God is real. And if we have to accept the fact that God is real and that there is an eternity, we can't accept that without understanding the truth of who Satan is himself. Now, I've been to a lot of funerals in my life, and I've never been to one in all of my years of attending funerals, of conducting funerals. I've never been to one where somebody didn't go to heaven. Now, I can't tell you their real eternal state, but I can tell you that I've never been in an environment where someone said they didn't know Jesus. And because of the fruits of their life, it would appear that, that they didn't spend eternity in heaven with God. Now, today in our culture, we celebrate the fact that, that heaven exists. We don't have a hard time accepting God. You can see people that would say they're in a better place or there's no more suffering or there's no more pain for them. They're in a better place because now they're in heaven. We accept that reality without the reality of there is an enemy that fights us every day. And his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to ruin your family. He wants to ruin your faith. And he wants to ruin your future. That is the enemy of the, of the God that we serve. Now the Bible teaches us that God actually created the devil. However, the devil himself was, was an angel. God created him as an angel to serve him. Yet pride overtook Satan, and he decided that he wanted to be above God. So he began to rebel, and he was cast out of heaven. And since that moment in time, since his rebellion, his number one goal has been to work against you and against me in order to get back at God. Not only does Satan have things for sale, but he is real, and he is the ultimate salesman. So today, I want to go ahead and give you these things that Satan has for sale in your life. And the first one is this, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, is that Satan sells lies. Satan sells lies. Every one of us have experienced lies from the enemy. You may not know that he's lying. You may not recognize that there are lies coming to you. But every day in the media, every day in the news, every day on social media, all around us in this culture, there are lies that are permeating your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions to make us think something, to make us say something, to make us live a certain way or act a certain way. All of that comes from the very root or the source of what Satan is selling you, and it is a bunch of lies. How do I know that? Because the Bible teaches us in John 8 and 44. Look at this with me. It says, He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. Underline that word, character. It says, For he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. So the Bible teaches us not only is he a liar, but he's the best of all liars. He is the liar of all liars. He is the father of lies. When he speaks, 
In other words, if there is something coming out of his mouth, if there is something inside of your heart, if there's something inside of your spirit, if there's something attacking your thoughts, if there's something trying to direct your motives or your actions that is outside of what God's Word says and God's best for you, it's coming from the Father of lies. Now, there's not much that I, li- that I dislike more than a liar. I don't like prideful, arrogant people. I have a hard time with that personality and I have a hard time with liars. Now, I understand in the sales world, we, we heard from, from Mike Nicholas and he told us that there are there's some good salesmen and sometimes there's some not so good salesmen. There's good sales tactics and there's some bad sales tactics. And I just have to tell you, I've been on the receiving end of some really bad sales tactics where someone tried to lie to me about a vehicle. I took my wife and we were looking for a vehicle for her uh, a couple of years ago and we were at this one car lot and I won't say it publicly but if you want to ask me privately I'll tell you exactly who they are and I was on their lot they sell nothing but used vehicles and that's what we were shopping for was a used vehicle and many of you know me I don't I don't want to spend a lot I don't like those payments but we were looking on this lot and some of you would say well you kind of got what you asked for but every car on the lot looked awesome I mean, they were clean, they were in great shape cosmetically, the interior was clean. I mean, everything looked great. And the prices, the stickers on the windshields, I mean, you just couldn't beat them. It's somewhere you had to stop and you had to look. But I'm also concerned because my wife is going to be driving this vehicle. I want to know that it's safe. I want to know that it's reliable. I want to know that she's going to be okay with it when she puts our son in it and that she could go anywhere she wants to go. So I ask one simple question. Mind you, I'm not a mechanic. I don't know a lot about automobiles, but I asked this one question to the salesman. I said, so what do you guys do to inspect these vehicles just to make sure that they're safe and that they're reliable? That you know that when you put this car on the lot that it's a quality vehicle and it represents you well and that you can sell it with all confidence. And he looked at me and he said, well, we don't really do anything. And for me, that was a big red flag. I said, well, what do you mean you don't do anything? He said, well, all these are great cars. He said, we don't have any issue with these cars. I said, well, if you don't inspect it, how do you know it's a great car? I said, after all, these cars are a little more high mileage cars. I said, these aren't new anymore. And he's tried to tell me with a straight face. He said, well, a high mileage car is just as reliable as a low mileage car. And I was so confused at that moment and I said, sir, I don't know a lot about automobiles and I'm not a mechanic and I don't even pretend to be one. I said, but I drive high mileage vehicles and I know that they take a lot more maintenance and there's a lot of things that have to be done that you don't have to do with a low mileage vehicle. And he stood there, never changed his pace, never changed his wording, and he just tried to convince me that those cars were just as good is if I bought a car from the lot that I'm standing on today. And that absolutely is not the truth. And the enemy is the greatest salesman that he will stand and look at you and he will try to tell you something that is false and try to make it true. Now I know what you're thinking. Well, Brandon, that's an easy illustration. I mean, that's as easy as can be. Anybody can spot that lie. Anybody with just a little bit of common sense would know that that's not the truth. But it gets more complicated than that because the enemy is a better liar than that. Not only will he speak lies that are oftentimes obvious, but the enemy speaks lies that are sometimes twisted with the truth. See, every lie doesn't exclude the truth. Some truths exclude 
the lie. Or look at it this way. Just because someone is speaking partial truth, it's still a lie. So the enemy is good at that. The enemy did that with Jesus. The enemy took uh, his opportunity when Jesus was fasting and he was alone and he was weak at his weakest. He was hungry. He was tired. And the enemy showed up and began to speak Scripture to Jesus. Did you know that the Bible is, is in the mind of the enemy? He can speak it from his lips. The enemy knows Scripture. And that's why it's important that you and I know the truth and the truth is the Word of God because if, if the enemy knows it and he can speak it and he can use it to you, it's so important that we know exactly what the truth is. He went to Jesus and he used truth to twist it in order to tell a lie. But a partial truth is still a lie. The Bible even warns us about people who represent Jesus. You know, pastors, leaders, church representatives, Christians, those of us that would claim to know Jesus. I believe in the South, just about everybody would say that they were a Christian. Again, I told you every funeral I've ever attended, I've never heard anyone that didn't have a relationship with Jesus to spend eternity in heaven. But the Bible warns us about this thought. Take, take a look at this. The, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it says, Be aware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit and by the way that they act. I know what some of you say. I hear this all the time. I see this on Facebook. Well, uh, if you're a Christian, I thought you weren't supposed to judge. Who are you to judge me? Well, I'm not your final judge. I'm not the one who determines your eternal decisions or your eternal destinations, but I can tell you, the Bible lets us know over and over and over we can judge someone by their character and by the fruit that they produce with their life. And so if there is anything in any church from any pastor or any leader, anything you read or anything you see that is contrary to the truth of God, it is not from God. It is from the liar and the father of lies. And that is Satan, the greatest salesman who would like to sell you a lie directly against the Word of God. I'm challenging you today, church. Don't do cultural Christianity. Don't just, don't just have to, to receive it because someone told it to you. Don't just have to receive it because it's what you've heard before. Don't just receive it because it's some traditional thought. Receive it because it is the Word of God. Don't accept the lies. The second thing that Satan sells is limitations. Satan sells a lot of limitations. When we buy what Satan is selling, listen, if you choose to accept and apply Satan's lies, you will live a limited life. When you accept the lies, when you apply the lies, you will live a limited life because Satan's lies only take you so far. They're limited. Listen to what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through 26, it says this, it says, it was by faith that Moses, we're talking about Moses from the Old Testament, when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses was abandoned as a baby, and, and when he was abandoned, he was adopted into the home of Pharaoh. He was the king. He had the lap of luxury all around him. He had anything that he wanted because he was living in the king's palace. Yet the Bible says he chose not to accept that. Verse 25 he chose to share the oppression 
of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Underline that statement, the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 26, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. Now before we move too fast past that, I want to take a look at that. Moses, I mean, to be put up for adoption or abandoned and then found. Think of the odds, the, the chances that you are found by rich, by prominence. I mean, think about right now, if your life had have been intercepted from, from complete turmoil, from abandonment, and it just so happened that you ended up in the home of the president or a movie star where you had everything at your disposal, everything that you could possibly want in life, the American dream, and yet the Bible says that Moses traded that. He refused to accept that. What did he trade it for? Listen to this. He chose to share oppression of God's people. Nobody picks oppression over what would seemingly be blessing instead of the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to have suffering for Christ than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because of two simple things. The lies that Satan sell are limited. Because the Bible says that, that sin is fleeting. The pleasures don't last. They don't, they don't stick around. They're fleeting. They, they don't stay in a place of enjoyment, of happiness, of pleasure. It only lasts for so long. Then the Bible says he was looking ahead to his future. I believe that today there are so many of us that are trading we're trading the pleasures of God. We're trading our future. We're trading our eternal reward for the fleeting pleasures of sin today. Now, I want to be honest with you, and I want to be transparent. Some of you need to buckle up for this. Some of you are really good at church. Some of you are really good at playing church and looking the part. And Some of you have been raised in church, and maybe you've never heard this before, but I just want you to stick with me for a second. Buckle up. Brace yourself. Sin is fun. Now, I know for some of you, you're ready to turn this off. You think, you think that's heresy. The, the pastor's lost his mind. I can't believe he's speaking that way. Listen to me. Sin is fun. Or people wouldn't live in it. Sin is fun or people wouldn't do it. Sin is fun or people would not return to it. But that fun and that pleasure is fleeting. If only you could sit with me around the table and you could hear some of the conversations if you could hear people share the experiences of their life that I get to hear. The people that decided when they were young, they were going to party, they were going to live it up, and they would worry about responsibility later. And then that habit or that enjoyment, that fun that was a weekend thing, suddenly become to a daily thing. And suddenly it was one drink that turned into many drinks that turned into I can and now I can't. That one just recreational drug on the weekend that seemed like it was no big deal and it was just hanging out with the boys and having a good time and now suddenly it's something that you are you're spending your, your mortgage check on. You can't pay your bills because of the habits that you've brought into your life. And now instead of controlling your fun, your fun is controlling you. Therefore, it's no longer fun anymore. There are some of us that this, the lies that Satan tells, maybe we've we found ourselves that we are in this cycle of telling the same lies. We wanted to commit to just one spouse, one person, and that one relationship the way God designed for the best for it to be. But because of the habits of our life, we can't seem to stay pure in our marriage or pure in our relationship. 
We can't pick up our device. We can't get on the computer and we're struggling because we can't stay away from that content that you once just enjoy, but now it is controlling your life. Listen, sin is fun, but it's fleeting for a minute. And one day you wake up and you say, what did I do? How did I get here? How did my life get in this place? I believed a lie. I bought the lie. And now I'm living a limited life. Listen, I, I'm, I'm one of the, the most frugal. I like to say frugal. I, I like to say financially responsible. Many of you would say cheap, but whatever term you want to use. I, I just, I don't like to pay, you know, a lot of money for things. I'm just that way. And Vehicles are one of those things that I love. There are some incredibly beautiful vehicles on this car lot. I mean, they're state-of-the-art. They'll do anything. Many of these cars now will drive themselves. But if you ever went to a car lot and you began looking at something, and for many of you, you're this way, and you said, I need to go buy something that's, that's reliable and that's nice and they can get me to A to B, and I just want a nice vehicle. I don't need to pay a lot. I don't need to have all the bells and whistles. But yet, you got on that car lot. And you got with a nice salesman who was willing to show you anything, as they should, willing to help you and answer your questions and even take you on a test ride. And that would say, if you like this one, oh, you're really going to like this one over here. If you like these cloth seats, if you tried the leather seats, they, they will now hug you and kiss you and sing you a song on the way to work. I mean, they'll do everything for you. And you start looking at it and you say, well, the reality is I really can't afford that. It doesn't fit into my budget. It's not something that would be comfortable for me on a month-to-month -month basis. Well, when you get that really good salesman, here's what he says, I totally understand. Let's find something that's comfortable for you. We've got a car on this lot that you will love and that will be reliable and will take care of you and we'll make sure that it falls in line with your budget. And then you have the other salesman that wants to sell you those lies. That says, oh, well, let me tell you how we can finance it. Let me tell you how we can finance it for the rest of your life and you never even have to really worry about it. And you sit at that table and the numbers don't look so bad and the excitement of it overwhelms you and you walk away, you take that picture with the keys and you are so excited. You can't wait to get out there and drive that new car. What is everybody going to think when they see you in that new vehicle? And then after the 30 or 60 or maybe even 90 day grace period and that first bill rolls around and suddenly there is a pit in the bottom of your stomach and you go, I cannot believe I have signed off on this payment for the next 10 years of my life. I can't even afford it. I'm going to have to get a second job just to pay for it. What did I do? Well, you bought the lie. And now you're living in a limited condition because of the lies that you accepted. You began to apply and now is causing you a limited life. Listen to me today. Right now as you sit and as you watch, the enemy is lying to you. He's telling you that that guy doesn't know anything. That that, who's that guy to tell you this? I can just tell you today, I'm not a perfect person. I don't have it all together. And I battle the salesman of, the, of Satan every day. But I can tell you this, that God's Word is true and the enemy is lying. He's going to sell you limitations. And then number three, Satan sells letdowns. He sells letdowns. It's a process I'm taking you on today. That when you believe the lie, then when you begin to live a limited life, ultimately you end up in a state of a letdown. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. It says, But I am not surprised 
So this is somebody who is seemingly talking to a group of people that others are surprised by an event that's happened, but not the writer. He says, I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So we're talking about Satan who is disguised as an angel of light coming in the form of what? A lying salesman. Verse 15, so it's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, underline that statement, in the end, they will get the punishment for their wicked deeds or the deeds that they deserve. Now listen, I, of all the things that I've told you today, of every step of this process of what the enemy's selling, he's selling you lies, he's selling you limitations, and now he's selling you letdowns. These letdowns are the most crucial part of this process. And I need you to really understand this today because I can't tell you anything more important than what I'm telling you right here. We need to understand in verse 13, the Bible was explaining before what I just read you. It's, it's groups of people who are coming as false prophets. In other words, it's people that are claiming the truth and they're, they're explaining something that is contrary to the truth of God. It's, it's believing a lie, living out a limited life, headed for letdowns. And I believe that today in our culture, we have so many people living lives, limited lives, headed for letdowns. And I want you to understand something. There's two subjects of this verse right here. First is Satan. And I want you to read it to you this way. Satan who disguises himself as an angel of light, in the end will get his punishment that his wicked deeds deserve. So we understand that. I don't think many people would argue against that. We can read the end all the way from the beginning of the book and we see that the enemy, he loses. He doesn't win. He's headed for destruction. So when we read this, out of the two uh, topics here, the two points of reference, Satan, he will get the punishment he deserves for his wicked deeds. And then I know what many of you are saying, and we've bought this cultural lie that, hey, look, if God loves us, a loving God would never send us to hell. There could not really be a hell because God loves us too much. That's not even possible. There have been pastors who've written books. There's been pastors who preach this and who teach this. People who are claiming Christ and Scripture that walk this out, but it is a lie, living a limited life headed for a letdown. Look at the second group of people that this talks about. It says this, it says so that even the servants, that's you and me serving God, even us, even you and even me, listen, even us, because of our own sin, our own self-righteousness, believing these lies, living these lies, a limited lifestyle, in the end, we will get the punishment that our wicked deeds deserve. I made a statement that's culturally sound right now where people say a loving God would never send people to hell. And that's really true. A loving God never sends us to hell. But the reality is this, is that my own deeds and my own decisions, it's the, it's the punishment that I deserve. I want to ask you an important question today. Who is your supplier and what are you buying? Who's the supplier of your thoughts, of your emotions, your feelings, your actions today? Who's supplying those things for you today? Who are you serving? If you're not serving the Lord, let me tell you this. You're either serving yourself or you're serving Satan. Now many of us say, oh Lord, I'm not serving Satan. I'm not, a, I'm not a Satan worshiper. I don't do that. But when I become my own God and I serve myself, I have excluded Jesus from this picture. Therefore, I will receive everything that I get for myself 
because I'm controlling everything from within myself. You're headed for a letdown. We are either serving Jesus, we are serving ourselves, or we are serving Satan. Listen, is God the source of your supply or is Satan leading your letdown? Let God be your source today. Here's the good news. Through God's grace, our punishment is pardoned. Yes, what I deserve, if we all get what we deserve, it's punishment. It, it is everything that we all deserve. But Jesus took our punishment and He pardoned our sins. Through our pride, we produce our punishment. But through God's grace, we are given another chance. Today, I've spent a lot of time because this is the, this is the thing that we're missing today. We're missing that Satan is the greatest salesman, selling you lies, limitations, and letdowns. But very quickly, I want to give you the good news. There's three things today that I want to bring you that very simply the Bible teaches us. The first is this in John 14 and 6. It says, Jesus told him, I. Now this is, this is, that's, that's, that's with a period. There's nothing greater than that. I, Jesus. The buck stops with him. There is no other authority. There is nothing greater, nothing higher. There's no one that knows better. There's nothing more trustworthy than Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. That one powerful statement changes everything. It changes everything that the enemy is trying to do. It changes the lies, the limitations, and the letdowns. Jesus gives us three things. Satan is selling three things, but Jesus gives us three things. The first is this, Jesus gives us direction. Those lies that the enemy's giving to you when you go, I don't know who to believe. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should believe you, pastor. I don't know if I should believe the TV. I don't know if I should believe the politicians. I don't know who to believe. I don't know who to trust. Well, let me tell you this today. Jesus is the ultimate source. He's the truth. Don't be lost. Don't be wondering. Don't be walking in circles. Don't try to seek out every other truth. Let me tell you, Jesus is the truth. He gives direction. When you don't know what to do, when you don't know where to go, when you don't know how to act, when you don't know what to believe, He is the truth. He gives direction for your life. All you have to do right now is say, God, I need to hear from you. I need direction for my life. If I've been believing the lies, if I've been living limited, if I'm headed for a letdown, God, I just need to hear from you. I need your direction. He'll do it. He's the way. Jesus said, I am the truth. Number two, Jesus gives correction. When we're living or, or walking, believing a lie, there needs to be correction in our life. And as Jesus begins to direct us in the truth, He will correct the lies that are present in our life. He'll bring, he'll bring light to you. He'll bring understanding. He'll help you understand that what you've been doing, what you've been living, and what you've been experiencing is all false. It's from the salesman who is Satan, who has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Begin to follow after Jesus in the truth and then let God begin to correct some things in your life. He'll give you direction. He'll give you correction. He is the way, the truth. And then He said, I am the life. Number three, Jesus gives us connection. The greatest letdown that we could experience from the lies and the limitations of the enemy is to be for eternally separated from a relationship with God. That's the greatest letdown. 
is to wake up one day facing eternity to realize that it's too late and that we've missed it. And I'm not trying to scare you today, but I do want you to know the very realities that the Bible says. There is a day of judgment where you will have to stand before God and account for your life. Where I have to stand before God and account for my life. Nobody can do it for me. I can't do it for you. We have to individually account for the life that we've lived and ultimately the decision to believe a lie, live limited for a letdown, or we follow the way, the truth, and the life. We get our direction from Jesus. We get the correction of our life from Jesus. Therefore, we get a connection with Him. The way, the truth, the life. There's no greater life today than living a life for Christ. And today I just want to take a moment and I want to pray for you. I want to pray right now if you find yourself living cultural Christianity, if you find yourself today that that you're just maybe not even living in Christianity and you thought none of that mattered and it was all just religious talk. It's not religious, it's relationship. And today that's what Jesus wants for you. Some of you today are making decisions in your life that are contrary. They're not God's best. You've got actions and you've got habits. You've got things that come out of you that's not the best. It's not God's heart. It doesn't represent Him. And today maybe you've just You've just believed the lie, you've accepted a limited life, and maybe you are experiencing or headed to a letdown. Well, today there's direction, there's correction, and there's connection straight to God. Where you are, I want to I ask you, if you can, just bow your head, close your eyes, and I want to pray for you. Maybe if you're watching today, you've never given your heart, your life to Jesus, this is your moment right here and right now for you to say yes to Jesus, the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And then I want to pray for some of us that maybe you have fallen into one of those other categories and you just need God to help you today to overcome. And I promise you, He can do it. So Father, today I pray for every person watching, every person listening right now that would say, Jesus, I need you. We confess we have sin in our life. We believe what the Bible says. We can identify with the fact that we have all messed up. We've all fallen short. And Jesus, today we need you. Please forgive us of our sins. We accept you today. We put you first in our life. And today, we will be different because of Jesus. Thank you for saving us. And today, I pray for every one of my friends, Father, that are just struggling. They just began to believe a lie, live in limitation, and are experiencing or headed to a letdown. But today's a great opportunity. So God, we ask you for your direction, for your wisdom in our life. We ask you for your correction. Correct anything in us that is, that is wrong that's out of order. Father, I pray that you would align us today with your correction so that we can have a great connection to you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.